Welcome to Entrepreneurhood, where we break entrepreneurship down into three simple pillars, business, lifestyle, and motivation. Our goal is to use our personal experiences as industry leaders to guide and inspire young entrepreneurs to see the lesson in every challenge, because we understand that companies don't succeed, people do. Now, welcome the leaders of Entrepreneurhood, Lakeham and KB. Welcome to the neighborhood. You got your boy, Lake Kim, in the building, and I got my brother, KB, in the building with me. We on episode 38, and we decided to name this one, Change the Game. Now, the word change is a scary thing, and it prevents a lot of our solopreneurs from achieving their peak success. So KB and I decided to dedicate this episode to our solopreneurs. So what KB is going to do is he's going to let y'all know why we decided to choose this topic and he's going to give y'all the quarter of the day. So KB, what's the quarter of the day? Growth is painful. Chain is painful. But nothing is painful as staying stuck somewhere you don't belong. Mm. Yeah, bro. That could be the worst feeling being somewhere in your business you shouldn't be. And you doing being shoulda, coulda, woulda. But you should have changed that to did that done already. It's a scary feeling because if you're not changing, then you're digressing. Bro, we might have to put that on a shirt. Did that done like that? <laughs> I, I like the flow of that, bro. One of the biggest mistakes as an entrepreneur can make is not adjusting along with the industry spectrum. Or better yet, they continue to live off their past successes. We want our solopreneurs to know that what got you here may not be enough to get you to the next level. The only thing permanent in business and life is change. So when it comes to change, we got to embrace it, get used to it, and most importantly, remember to change the game. Yeah, I like that. I like that. What's the first problem, Lee? When you and I were looking through the biggest issues we've seen on this topic of changing the game, the number one problem we came up with is when entrepreneurs say, I feel like my business is plateauing. And I think that the biggest thing that we've been seeing is a lot of people, when it comes to saying that they're plateauing, that means it's just they're leveling out. They're not seeing no growth and it's just a straight line. And in the game of business or in the stock market, you don't want to see a straight line. You want to see an upward trend. So when our entrepreneurs say that they plateauing, that's like a big no-no. Yeah. And in life, you don't want to see a flat line. (laughs) (laughs) You did. (laughs) When people say this, I feel like my business plateauing. Automatically, my head, I look at it as a reflection of your own efforts. And that's the part where people, they don't want to stomach that because now it's, you know, I have to change something about myself. And of course, that's what you have to do for in life. And that's what you have to do for your business. Yeah, bro. (laughs) Like plateauing is one of the worst things. And It's more of a reflection of the entrepreneur. So I I like that one. What's the second problem we got? Running my business shouldn't be this hard. My question is, who are you comparing it to? That's a fact. Because when I hear this problem, I think of people who are working hard during work hours, meaning they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. But when are you really doing like the extra mile? That's true. So it's like when you do the extra mile, you set yourself up so you can work smarter and figure out how to cultivate the business better. But if you're only just working on the business, you're not working on yourself, of course it's going to be hard. Yeah. And I feel like when entrepreneurs say running my business shouldn't be this hard, man, is, again, they just not changing the game. Like, they're clearly doing something that isn't working. That's just more of a realization of, like, what change do I need to make 
So then that way running my business is easy. Running my business is fun. So I think when entrepreneurs say that is definitely a self-awareness issue. Third problem. I actually had this problem myself. I own the problem instead of owning the solution, basically. So the problem is if I had more money running my business, things will be easier. Yeah. Which is absolutely not the whole truth. Everybody wants to have the newest resource, the newest camera. If you're a photographer, if you're a barber, you want the newest clippers. Clippers, yeah. A trainer, you want all the new equipment, the new resistant bands, the new this. And you're like, if I get this thing, then I'll be able to make more money. I can get more clients. I can... And it's usually not like that. It's usually you just simplifying and being great at something that you're good at. Yeah, bro. I feel like when entrepreneurs say that, they're not willing to put in the work to change their situation, man. Everybody wants more money. Everyone thinks having more money is going to fix it, but chances are is you could earn more money. You're just not willing to put in the work or like you've made money and you've just spent it poorly. And again, I've experienced that. So I, I get where the entrepreneurs are coming from, but I got a, an experience and definitely a solution that I think will help them not experience this in the future. Yeah. Because it's not the golden rule. It's not about what you make. It's about what you keep. Yeah. So if you make more money, it's not going to be easier for you if you still got the same problems. <laughs> yeah, bro. Like they said, if someone can't manage um, $1,000, giving them 10000 ain't going to fix the problem. At first, when I heard that, I was like, nah, that's silly, man. You give someone 10000 like they're going to know how to flip that. I'm like, bro, they couldn't even flip a 1000 They couldn't flip 500 You got to take baby steps when it comes to this problem. God forbid if they use credit, too. It's a dangerous thing, and it all comes down to discipline. So what I want to do, man, let's jump it right into it, because I want to share with the entrepreneurs some of my experiences on the very first problem we talked about, because when it comes to changing the game, we know that change is scary. KB and I want to share our experiences so then that way y'all see how we adapted over the years and how we've changed the game. So the first problem is when entrepreneurs say, I feel like my business is plateauing. And my experience, KB, is in 2019, I went through a phase that I literally just felt stagnant. I felt like my team was growing, but my revenue was staying the same. And to be honest, KB, I don't know what's worse. Like having a small team with low results or growing the team, but your revenue stays the same. And I experienced that in 2019 and I felt discouraged. I felt like I was spinning my wheels, but I wasn't seeing no results. Like I had a small team. We wasn't making no money. I had a big team. We wasn't making no money. So I'm like, yo, what is the issue? And man, I literally felt like I was plateauing at that point. As the team started to grow, what was in your mind? Like, I know we should be doing this certain amount of numbers. Like, how did you interpret that? Where it's like, yo, something has to change. It was like, I had, I had a team of probably five or eight people and we were doing 30 sales. And I was like, all right, like, I know we, we could be doing more, but I was like, the issue is I just need more people. So I was like, all right, bet, let's go crazy with it. And I hired 30 people. And when I had 30 people, we did 30, 35 sales. And I was like, yo, this is not how a business should be ran. Like, what the hell? The average is every employee so, doing one sale. So hold on. So the people that were like the leaders, when more people came, what happened to their stats? It just vanished. The excuse they told me was they were focusing on training instead of focusing on their results. But 
if no one's getting results, what the hell were they training? So it really irritated me because I was like, why are we so stagnant? And it was frustrating. So as a CEO, as a boss, as a leader, what goes through your mind? Like, yo, what do I have to set in stone so I can, you know, not let this happen again? Or can I make some results happen? What, yeah. what do you have to do? So for me, in any time, me or any other entrepreneur that gets in this where they literally feel like they're plateauing, man, my toughest thing is sometimes when I build great relationships with people, I get loose on my standards. And the standards mm. should be like, yo, if you hit a certain criteria, I don't care how good or bad our relationship is. If you fall below this, you got to go. That should have been my motto. And sometimes... To make an example, we have a term that says sometimes you got to shoot a hostage. And what that means is if somebody ain't bringing results and you just need to make a point, you just bring someone in and you fire them. And, and then you tell everybody you fired them and that's how you shoot a hostage. And I don't know, KB, maybe you might have to do that as a trainer. Yo, you sound worse than Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> you make it a show at firing somebody. But sometimes people got to see the worst case scenario because there's two things that motivate people. It's the carrot or the stick. And sometimes... <laughs> Yo, you running a, a business or a plantation over there? <laughs> Yo, man, I just don't want my entrepreneurs to plateau. That's all, KB. That's all. Yo, hostages, carrots, and sticks. Yo, I don't <laughs> know what's going over there, but I'm praying for your employees to get some sales because I don't know what's going to happen to them if they don't. Yo, man, I'm telling you, like, and the thing is, they don't want to be the hostage. They don't. Nobody wants to be the hostage. So all it really does is essentially for the listeners is it sets the tone. And I'm telling you, KB, you're going to thank me for this later, man. Like, you're going to thank me for this. You're going to hit me up and be like, yo, Lay, man, I shot a hostage today, man. One of my clients, I told her not to be late. And she showed up late for the second time. And I got rid of her in front of everybody. And then they're going to be like, your clients is going to be like, yo, KB, if I'm ever late, please don't do me like you did Shaniqua. Like, just don't do that. Shaniqua going to have me on the shade room. <laughs> Talking bad about me, man. <laughs> See, for me, when, you know, I felt like my business plateauing or I hear people say, I, I think differently a little bit because I'm just a positive person. I would rather be plateauing than going out of business, but that's just me. But seriously, I always try to look on, look at the facts and look at the positive things because being grateful, being ungrateful will drop your spirit and your funds. Mm. So I try to stay consistent, you know, with my service, for example, when I was down to a couple clients, I had to stay consistent about the service I'm getting to the people that's in front of me because my personal circumstances and my bills is not their issue, their problem. They already paid me to deliver. So I had to keep, you know, poker face, even though when things are going wrong in my own personal life. So like when my clientele dropped down to one or two people, it was like, it got the job still has to get done. Nobody cares. Keep going. Okay, Kobe. Okay. <laughs> But what I did was I used that free time and learn how to market and study my craft. Because if I'm training only one or two people a week, I got time. I got a whole bunch of time and I have to utilize that. So I went to YouTube, how to, I literally typed in how to gain more clients. I studied people, Instagrams, people that was uh, on a come up like me, whether they was in a fitness field or not. And I studied people who was killing the game. 
And when I start to analyze that, I really start to read people's profiles and read how they post, how often they post, what kind of content they post. And this is just me being hungry. And I got to figure out a different way. And I'll take it and make it my own. And when I did that, it showed a lot for me. And it also made me realize I was I had to unfollow a lot of people that wasn't giving me no value. Yeah. So if you're following, you know, different influences or business pages and you're not learning anything, you're just liking stuff because of the results, then you need to change who you're following ASAP. That was the biggest thing for me. And back then when I had one or two clients, there wasn't reels, there wasn't videos. There, it was only just pictures. Instagram was a totally different ballgame and I had to really... Utilize as much as I can, utilize YouTube and utilize Google to figure out how to do things. Because that's one thing people might show you the methods of something or the skill sets, but they don't really tell you how to market it. Like it's more exposed now how to market your business. But back then it wasn't exposed like that. It was like, just do it. Yeah. And I think like, number one, I really like that because for our solopreneurs that's listening, that's a great way to look at it. It's better to plateau than to be going out. Once you said that, that stuck with me instantly. But what would you say is like the biggest thing with you growing from the plateau stage to some people? Like how how many clients would you say you have now? Like you have a lot more than one. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I would say off and on in-person clients, probably 40. And then I have probably like probably 100 and some people on my app. So you coaching anywhere from over 120, 140 people on, on a weekly boat basis. Yeah. And then you got the stragglers. So <laughs> <laughs> the hostages that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come and go here and there. What I've been doing, what I learned is just how to manage more and how to really utilize that time. So literally like now I don't even have time to even get back to inquiries. So it's like going from one or two people to having you know, 40 people. I, I choose the number 40. I don't, I can train more hours, but I choose not to because that's not how we're going to get to the million. And then having X amount of people on, on the app. So with that different spectrum, it's wow, I'm at a different level now. It's small team season and got the toes stepped into scale season. Yeah. And it's one thing just to be thankful for all the problems I do have at this stage because all my solopreneurs don't forget there's problems at this level too. Yeah. It, it's just not the same problems that I had before of one or two people. Now it's getting back to 15 people. Now it's getting back to 20 people. Now it's people double texting me, hit me on DM, hit me on the email like, yo, KB, I want to work out. Here's my money. And, <laughs> and I just, I'm so big on servicing the people that's in front of me that I don't want to just be greedy and just take people on and not have enough space, enough room or overexert myself where I'm not being productive. Because it's a lot to deal with those personalities. It's a lot to people hit you up randomly like, yo, sh- can I get this? They, they would literally be in the grocery aisle, send me a picture of something and text me randomly. Yo, KB, can I eat this? And I try to get back to you as fast as I can, but that text might come like two days later. It's just a different type of growth and a different type of problems. Like you, you got to change. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing of the and all of our solopreneurs that's listening, man, that if you ever say this, you know, problem, like, you my business is plateauing. Like the biggest thing that KB and I, we want to get across is like plateauing is a part of you understanding what you need to get your, your company and your business to the next level. Because like I said, plateauing, what KB said is better than going out of business, but you don't want to plateau forever. So it's more of just knowing how to make the adjustments because it seems like you've made the adjustments now. Like what for me too, with like my team plateauing, 
I've just gotten better with my training. I've gotten better with my standards. Like I've shot enough hostages to where my employees, they know like they're going to do what they have to do if they want to be on the team. And you just want to grow your demand. When you have a higher demand, you can't plateau because you're trying to maintain the demand. At that point where I'm having this, you know, high demand, I'm blessed for it. And it makes me scale up. I got to get more help because people are just going to be so mad. And I can't have that for my business. So it's, it's good to be at this stage, but now it's another learning curve where I got to change the game. The second problem we said for our entrepreneurs, man, is when they said, yo, like I'm running my business, but it shouldn't be this hard. And here's my example that I got for everyone in entrepreneurhood. 2020 KB, it took a big hit on my office culture. And for the first time, it felt like it was hard for me and my team to gain traction. I think the reason why was we went fully virtual due to COVID and it forced me to adjust. And it was just weird because I'm used to feeding off of people's energies. I'm used to like wearing a full suit and it was just, it put me in a bad routine and it made me get in the habit of, because I'm doing everything on Zoom, I'm getting ready for a call a minute before the meeting starts. I'm in a a shirt and tie and I still like still in my underwear from below the camera. It didn't feel right. I just felt like this Zoom etiquette approach, it took me out of my groove and- Felt like a bum. Yeah, man, like I felt fake. I was like, it just didn't feel good, man. And the reason why I felt like my business was so hard was that like I hated the routine that I got myself into and I lost some good employees in the process because I allowed my culture to dip. I allowed the routines to just get away from me. And in 2018, 2017, and a little bit of 2019, I had a way better routine. So 2020, like I grew in 2020, but I just felt like it wasn't as organic and it wasn't as strong. So that was the toughest part for me. I can definitely relate to that with, with training as well, because some people was doing great before COVID happened. And they just got their second, like, win. Yo, I'm going to be motivated. I'm going to do this. And when you have set goals, that's what we do as business owners. And a big uncontrollable variable like a pandemic just wipes that away. And it only wipes away for the client or your employee, but it wipes away for you. Like, I was working so hard. Now everything is depleted. How can I even get to that level of motivation back, let alone (laughs) money. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) To follow up on that is as an entrepreneur, like the reason why I got into my industry, bro, is literally because I feed off of the energy of coaching my people face to face. Like I really enjoy getting people hype and reading their body language. And I just felt like it wasn't the same. My meetings weren't as impactful and it forced me to adjust. Like eventually towards the end of 2020, I was able to run pretty effective meetings on Zoom, but it was just like, Those first couple of months of COVID, even when we got back into working in June, it just didn't feel authentic. And I feel like a lot of my employees that was used to the authentic feel before the Zoom calls, like they're like, yo, like Kim, this just ain't the same. And like I said, I lost them. So it was a painful point. But as an entrepreneur, I live, tell the story and I live to help someone uh, learn from that story and and just say, look, it was hard in that moment, but I got through it. And I feel like that's the toughest thing that entrepreneurs do is when things is hard, they just get stuck and they think that this is the end all be all. And then they throw in the towel.
so did you create a Zoom culture as well? I tried. Yeah, I tried. Towards the end, the culture got a lot better because people knew what to expect. One of the sayings that I say is people, they don't mind bad news. They just don't like surprises. And I think because the Zoom environment, we just kept adjusting and we kept changing stuff. People literally just didn't know what to expect. What did y'all do on Zoom? Did y'all do like dance challenges, drink challenges? How did you get <laughs> how did you get the motivated through the screen? Like we just had just more structure, man. I don't think we we necessarily got people motivated. It was just like, all right, at this time, you guys are all gonna practice with each other uh, in different breakout rooms. At this time, we're gonna give you recognition. So like people, regardless on zoom or in person people love their recognition so it was that and then we tried to do like games and stuff on zoom but it was just like it was really weird so i'm like all right let's kill that but we just gave people recognition and gave them good content and my last question how did it feel when y'all first got back together like did y'all appreciate it even more Oh, yeah. Ten times, bro. And it was so cool because the new employees, when they met us like in person, face to face, they've never experienced the high energy. So for people who don't know like what I do, if y'all ever watched the Wolf of Wall Street, that's literally the kind of environment my team and I we've created. So like we were able after our rah-rah meetings, we got these chants and like we motivating each other. We giving each other high fives. The only thing that separates us from the Wolf of Wall Street is we're not doing no drugs. I'm glad you clarified. <laughs> That. <laughs> and we're not throwing around no midgets. So we're doing everything with an ethical spin to it. But the energy is, is very similar to the Wolf of Wall Street. Nah, that's dope. Because I'm definitely going to ask about that, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no no drugs is uh, allowed on my team. I hear entrepreneurs say, or solopreneurs say, running my business is this hard. Or it shouldn't be this hard. When I hear solopreneurs say, running my business shouldn't be this hard, I think about this. Life is hard, being broke is hard, getting rich is hard. So you got to choose your heart. Choose your heart, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Facts. But when I feel like this, I usually take a step back and analyze how I'm spending my time. So I always come to the conclusion, wow, I'm not working smart. I'm working hard. And when you really you know, check yourself and take out the mindset of grind, grind, you realize, yo, I can actually do this better. I can do this easier than just doing such things with hard work ethic. When we come from, we know we can work hard for something, but they didn't teach us you can work smart for this. Like instead of doing one plus one, you should do one time. And I think that type of mindset, that's what you learn at this stage being a solopreneur because you realize like, I don't have to work the same way I work. I could change it up. And for me personally, I used to train one person at a time when I first started training. And I purposely did that so I could master my training system and style. And meanwhile, I'm not in the gym. Like, I never trained at the gym before. <laughs> so when I say outside, I mean in the sun. And if it's raining a little bit, we might find a little tree to be under. Whatever the conditions were, we was outside. Me being burnt up in a high-ass sun, I had to fight off the soccer players for the shade. <laughs> the first year I trained in a park because my, the park I trained at is called Bello Park. It's a soccer-oriented field. It's not for anybody else but the soccer players. But me being me is, listen, if I come in every day, this is my spot. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on. So you was creating beef with the soccer players at Bello, bro? Listen, I wasn't creating beef. I was marking my territory. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that's a dangerous move. But sometimes it's one thing that I like about you, man, is you was choosing your heart in that situation. You was like, yo, you was like, yo, man, it's either I mark my territory and I hold my own or I don't train. And you was at a point that you had to train. So you figured it out. And we had turf at the park. It's either that or them jumping on the hard concrete. I'm not going to let the, their knees give out like this. <laughs> and I have nowhere to sit if I want to sit. There's no shade over there. So I'm like, nah, I'm going to train on the field. So that was my heart that I'm going to choose. <laughs> <laughs> but as I was training, it was just spending five or six hours there and coming home with $60 cash. It shouldn't be this hard. And I know I'm, I'm getting better at it, but it's something I got to do differently. And it wasn't until I had one client who came late one day and she still wanted to work out and I still wanted to make money. So I let her join my class because this is before I had people pay up front. Wait, hold on. So <laughs> before you, you became KB the trainer, who you are right now, you was charging $6 and they didn't have to pay the $6 until after the workout? At this time I was charging, I think, 10 or 12 <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, man, I was just trying to work. That's all I was. That's all I was trying to do, man. You got to bring that back, man. Like you got to for the listeners, man, that know you, they want some type of discount, KB. Like just give them something, bro. It's over. I was training people one by one each time. So when she wanted to come late, I'm like, all right, you could join my other client. I asked by my uh, current client, is she okay with that? She's like, yeah, it's fun. What was the struggle for me is that they was at different levels, but as the session continued to go on, I learned how to manage that. And when I managed it, like literally after the session, a light bulb hit. Like, yo, I could make the same amount of money, the double the money in half the time. Yep. Yo, I should just start training people together. And I will book the people based on their goals. And it just makes sense. And that's when I was like, nah, I got to change the game now. Like, I have to change this. And this is not going to be as hard. And that was probably the best thing I ever did. And ever since then, I only trained group sessions now. That's crazy. So one of your best ideas literally came by like an accident. Yeah. Like it wasn't intentional. Nah, it, it wasn't intentional because I try to be so purposeful. So I want to get this right. I want to get this right. And I think that had needed to happen for some variables to change. Because as entrepreneurs, we're so stuck in our head and our ways of what we want to happen. But sometimes when things happen organically, it could be the best thing for us. That's crazy. So what was like, what was your thought process on just doing training one client at a time? So you say you wanted to get the technique down and was it like the experience you wanted them to have or you just felt like it would be too overwhelming with having multiple clients at that point? Because I felt like I was, you know, I don't to make people sweat, but I'm like, I'm not good yet. Because like when you're training... <laughs> In the beginning, you know how to make people sweat. You're not really knowing your system yet. You're not really know what's going to make them get the results or know how to motivate them and hit certain body parts at the same time. So my thing was like, yo, I want to get better at it. But it's one of those things where you just got to be thrown in the fire. Like, I learned how to ride a bike, but my grandfather pushed me in the street. <laughs> and it was cars behind me. I just had to keep pedaling. That's what he said. Keep pedaling or you're going to get hit. <laughs> so, yeah. Yep. South side. Yeah. But that's how it is sometimes with me. It's like being an entrepreneur. It's like you might just get thrown into it and then you just learn how to adapt. And that's how I knew it was a, it was a gift. It was something different because I didn't struggle with it. I just adapted to it. 
And I just came really good at it. And now I love only having group sessions. People ask me, beg me for one-on-one. I'm like, nah, I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah, because if you was to do the one-on-one session at this point, they wouldn't be able to afford that. Yeah, that's the other part too. <laughs> <laughs> So they got to choose their hard. It's like, yo, do you really want this one-on-one session and, and willing to pay this price? Or are you just going to go the smart route and go with the group? Because that's really what it is. And it's always funny, though, because sometimes it, it might really happen, like where people reschedule and one person come and they be so scared by themselves. They're like, yo, I don't know why you even asked for this in the first place. <laughs> I'm like, yo, sometimes you get what you want. And you get what you pray for. And people always like, nah, I don't want to come by myself. They they come in and say, where's everybody else at? I'm like, yo, chill. <laughs> <laughs> There's more people coming. <laughs> yeah, bro. And I feel like, see, and, and that's, and what you've done is you've created an environment that people, like you said, they motivate each other and they push each other to to do an extra set or an extra rep. So that makes sense to me. Yeah, man. It's, it's the best thing ever. It's like going to a party where you have, you go to a party, you have the expectation of other people to be there. It's not, I don't know, it's not like a date, like it's a one-on-one. Yeah. Every time you go to the session, it's like, it's like a lit environment where it's like, yo, gotta be more people here because I know what he about to try to kill me. So I, <laughs> at least I'm not dying alone. <laughs> yeah, bro. Speaking of that, like I remember what you just posted the other day, man. And you talking about me shooting hostages. <laughs> Literally, you were recording your session and like your story looked like it was a funeral. You had just bodies laying down. One person, she was laying down flat on her back. Another person like sitting up like a zombie staring at the wall. I'm like, yo, what are you doing to these people, bro? Yo, we got- I'm telling y'all, man. KB was trying to come at me earlier about shooting a hostage. Y'all go through one of the KB workouts. You're going to get results but you might not live to tell a story. <laughs> All right, so let's get to the last problem. So the last problem is when entrepreneurs say, if I had more money, running my business would be easier. And here's my um, experience. I feel that when you don't have money, you're able to get more creative. I feel like when I didn't have money to throw big bonuses, my small bonuses were way more fun. For example, like one time I threw a bonus in the past and it was like a scavenger hunt and a scavenger hunt. It makes the day go by faster. It gives my employees something to look forward to. So I'm like, cool. Right, here's the scavenger hunt. You got to go find a Colts flag. You got to take a selfie with a customer. The hard one is after you sign a customer up, you got to take a, a video of the customer ripping up their bill to show them that they are part of team AT&T now. So making it real fun. And the winner of the scavenger hunt, they get like a $25 gift card or whatever. Something's like insignificant. And my team, they love that because of just all of the different elements to the bonus. And those bonuses were extremely fun. Or a simple bonus is we would do Fireball Friday. So Fireball Friday means when you come to the office, whoever does the most sales on Friday I'm going to give them a bottle of Fireball, just like that. Like an easy one. It keeps people motivated. And it's on Friday because I know what people trying to do on Friday. They trying to turn up. Those bonuses were creative. They were super inexpensive and they got good results. But when I started making more money, I started throwing bigger bonuses and it didn't pay for themselves. So like an example for a big bonus was uh, a bonus called a waterfall bonus. And a waterfall bonus, and this is crazy. I don't know why I did this. But how it works is 
the first person who makes a sale, they get $10, right? And then the next person who gets a sale, they get 10, but the first person now gets 20. And then the third person who makes a sale, they get 10, the second person gets 20, and then the first person is now at 30. And I just really wanted to like get my production high for that day. But because I had more money, I should have probably did a $2 waterfall or a $3 waterfall being good and trying to like keep the guys motivated. I was like, yo, how about a $10 waterfall? And looking back on it, I should have did a a criteria. I should have said, all right, in order for the waterfall to go into effect, the office got to do at least 10 sales. And then everything above that's when the waterfall kicks in. But my dumbass, I said, yo, the first sale of the day, the waterfall starts. And, bro, I was so mad that day. I think in one day, I think I had to pay out a $400 bonus. And, bro. Waterfall dried up real quick. (laughs) (laughs) And, bro, like, I was like, why didn't I just do free bottle, like, Fireball Friday or the scavenger hunt for a $25 gift card? It would have got me the same exact results. But because I had more money, I tried to change the game in the wrong way and uh, I got the same results. So like having more money doesn't necessarily mean your business is going to be easier. You're just going to find a way to spend it. Yeah. And you probably was thinking if, if I was in a position, I'll go hard because when was, somebody put money in front of us and say we can win something. We run any, anybody over in a way. Yeah. And like whenever I throw a bonus, I try to think in the perspective of my employees like what bonus would motivate me and sometimes i just be doing the most (laughs) but i think the the biggest thing for people is not the initial thing that they're winning but they are winning and it's a level of recognition and achievement that their hard efforts is being you know paid off because when i used to do my my games my football games soccer uh, softball games and stuff like that People used to go hard over these little party city medals. <laughs> like, and, it, and these are adults, and they knew it was from party city. And like, I had uh, champagne, I brought champagne to the field, and they popped a champagne like it was a championship. <laughs> and this is something that I just wanted to have fun with my, with my, my culture, my business, Team KB. And that's when I did Red Squad versus Black Squad. And it was just like to see people excited as if they was little kids. And it was like, it wasn't because they got a medal that they could have bought themselves. It was because they actually won and they had bragging rights. And they earned it. Yeah. And but it didn't really cost much for me to do that. And it's, yo, that is more better than somebody actually playing for money. Because somebody played for money, they willing to do whatever. Yeah. (laughs) The game could get faulty at that point. (laughs) Facts. But from my experience, when I say, you know, what I have said, I needed more money and things would be easier, it goes back to training again. After I was training in the park, I elevated to the school, to the yeah. inside inside setting. And then from after the school, I trained at a church. And at the church, I was able to have my own space and my own gym set up. So basically, I had a living room. So <laughs> <laughs> it was my studio. I cleared out the living room. and. I had a, just enough space just to have a squat rack in it. And I didn't have a squat rack for a while. And I'm like, yo, if I could just get money to get a squat rack, I'm going to get all the clients. I'm going to be good. My results is going to be better. And essentially, that could be true. But based on my situation, it wasn't fully true. Because I was still teaching people, my current clients at the moment, how to squat. 
So if I had money to buy these new resources, it's not going to really work unless I actually know the initial thing of what they can do without weights. I had to show them how to squat. I had to show them how to use it and also how to motivate them to understand that this is not going to make you look manly because that was a myth that girls used to think. I don't want to look like a man. I'm like, yo, if you lifting 45 pounds, that's disrespectful to bodybuilders. <laughs> like you think you, re- you really think you're going to look like a bodybuilder if you squatting 45 pounds? Are you serious? So I had to learn how to handle those objections as a trainer. And from that point, I saved up. I got the bar. And then after I got the bar, I'm like, damn, I actually got to buy weights. And after I get the weights, I'm like, yo, I got to get the bar pad, like the barbell pad. Yeah. And I'm looking at all these different things I have to get. And then when my clients come, I'm trying to train them. And they literally didn't know how to squat in the first place. So it goes to show you, like, yo, having more money or it's not always the answer. It's also what you're doing on the back end, the skill set before the money, how you can bring value to it. Yeah, I like that. And that was definitely a a big part for me where I had to learn how to adapt and change. Yeah, bro. And I think I like that because I think that the biggest thing is knowing how to be creative. Like I'm sure you got a lot of results before you brought the the barbell in in, in squats. And like that was just an added benefit to enhance the results. But I think when you don't have a lot, like I said earlier, is it forces you to be creative. It forces you to be like, all right, like this is the, the hand that I'm dealt with. Now I'm going to win the game and I'm going to get the results based on what I have. So I think that's the biggest thing that we want our entrepreneurs to understand is like, yo, having more money don't always fix it because when you have more money, you're going to have more problems. And it, it doesn't change. It's just going to be an add-on. So you got to learn how to master and be expert with what you have before you go to the next level of just think pouring money onto that problem is going to fix it. Yeah. And the last thing I want to say about that is that uh, piggyback, I was so adamant about getting new resources, but I didn't get a new skill set yet. Wow. Say that one more time, bro. I was so adamant about getting new resources, but I didn't develop a new skill set yet. Mm-hmm. So it's, I need this. And, and I thought once I get it, that was going to be it. Like, I'm going to be you know, solidified. And then sure enough, after I started using I'm like, yo, I got to get resistant bands. I got to get ankle weights. And there's all these, all these different things. It's, I had to get my system first of how I can do things and then add things into it. So it's like a lot of times as solopreneurs, we're chasing things outside but we're not our system is not tight yeah and you got to make sure your system is tight first and then you can add those things in it and make it easier for yourself bro straight up man so for our for our solopreneurs and everyone in entrepreneurhood man we're going to jump into the solutions because now that you guys have heard kb and i share our three experiences of what we went through of how we've changed the game kb always say you y'all know we're not going to leave y'all hanging so we're going to jump right into the solutions So the first solution that I got is for when our entrepreneurs and solopreneurs say, I feel like my business is plateauing. Here's my solution. The only way a business plateau is when the leader plateaus. As a solopreneur, your company lives and die by your example. So what I recommend for our solopreneurs is get in the habit of setting small goals, rewarding yourself, take care of your body and to take care of your mind. Because as a solopreneur, man, everything lives through you. 
So in order for you to get the results for you and for your company, you got to be in a good state. And that's going to be step one of how you change the game. I got this a similar takeaway, bro. And I say turn your downtime into your uptime. Your business is probably at a standstill because you're at a standstill. Yep. Like literally take an hour each day to focus on that skill that can get you to the next level. Whether it's your marketing, your back in office, your promotion, your social media, or your branding. I guarantee you, if you tweak and fine tune one of these areas, your business will grow and there will be no more plateauing. Yeah, bro. And again, like it's so crazy that both of our solutions are the same because that's the best way to fix that problem. So the second solution we got is when entrepreneurs say running my business shouldn't be this hard. Here's my solution. Nothing stays hard forever. The only way you lose is when you quit. And it's the same thing in the stock market. Like I said, the only way you're guaranteed to lose is when you sell, when your stocks are down. And when that happens, your losses are permanent. So what I want my solopreneurs to do is this. Welcome change and expect change. When you know it's coming, then you can never be surprised. That's how you change the game. And when you said the example about stocks, it hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> I sold so many stocks for the low and they up a thousand percent now. And I'm just <laughs> Yeah, and that's what we want. So we want to make sure our solopreneurs we don't make that mistake, man. It hurts. Yeah. Shout out to Wayfair and Peloton. <laughs> My takeaway is, you know, for those people who think running your business shouldn't be as hard, is take a step back, analyze your time, write out a typical day of for you being a solopreneur, like verbatimly, write everything out. And as you make this list, rank the tasks from greatest to least. Yep. After you make the list, then make a T-chart. One side should say automatic, and the second side should say manual. Now, when you really dissect these uh, different items, you will see your ego or your control issues is the reason why you're making this as hard, why you're making business hard. Because for me personally, I used to be texting people every Sunday for 10 hours, trying to book my clients one by one. Oh, damn. And I wanted to be in control of who's coming and when they're coming. But after I started using my booking app, my life has never been the same. Yeah. <laughs> like I set my schedule first. They book their own spots. It's a win-win. And that's 10 hours I got back from me just trying to text people when they had brunch, when they have drunk, when they cuffed up and trying to get an answer. <laughs> And it's, yo, I, cause I wanted to be in control so much. And that's the thing is like, as a solopreneur, you realize some things you could let out of your control. So it could be easy for you to focus on the next task for your business. So my solution to you guys is work smarter, not harder, really analyze what you do on a daily basis and then make your change from there. Yeah, man. I think that's so cool. I, I don't know if everyone people KB just said, but by him changing the game, he got 10 hours back on a Sunday and as a solopreneur and any entrepreneur, like getting that much time back, like that's a beautiful thing, man. So make sure y'all implement that because I think that the, like the, the T-chart thing, I definitely like that one a lot. All right. And then here's my last solution for everybody. So when our entrepreneurs say, if I had more money running my business, it would be easier. My, my solution is eliminate that mindset because not having money can be your advantage if you have a strong work ethic.
I personally believe the journey of earning more money is almost more fulfilling than actually getting it because your ambition is high and your bank account is low. (laughs) (laughs) So like when you're on the chase for it, it changes the game, man. So like our saying that we say all the time in all of these episodes, man, remember solopreneurs, it's never a lack of resources, only a lack of resourcefulness. 100, 100. And when more people say, when, when people say more money, I say you don't need more money, you need more value. The more value you put out there, the money will be chasing you. Like for me, example, I used to be struggling with like, yo, why are people not hitting me up to train? And I took a look at my page and realized, yo, I don't have anything exciting for them to see. Yep. I'm not increasing demand. I'm not having workouts on my page or I'm not having transformations on my page. I got to give them something. And when I really take a step back, one year, I think I had probably like three transformations for the whole year. I'm like, wow, damn, was I even training? (laughs) And now I have, I post two or three a week. And by me doing that, the demand increases, the value is out there. Me, you know, giving people information about uh, training or giving people motivation about training or working out or bettering themselves. Now people are drawn to me. So it's, yo, you got to put, more value out there it's not more money yeah man and i like that because that's one of the things we said in uh the other episode is chase value not money and our entrepreneurs and solopreneurs if they focus on that man is going it's going to make the game easier for you so here's my final takeaway for everyone in uh the community man everyone in entrepreneurhood all the solopreneurs when it comes to changing the game the unknown used to give me anxiety because I didn't like the idea of potentially being bad at something. Now, change and innovation is a part of my core values as a company and as a person. And it's because it gives me the thrill of figuring something out. Like it it gets me hyped when I got to figure something out that I want to learn. So I want all my entre, I want all of my solopreneurs to view change as an opportunity to learn And to gain a new perspective, because my last thought is this one new perspective could change your life forever. And that's why I want our entrepreneurs to change the game. Entrepreneurhood. I like that. My final takeaway is as you get more skin in the game, you realize the pressure is real as a solopreneur. Don't complain about the game itself of business. Change the way you play it. Wow. You might have to switch lanes, adapt with the times, elevate your marketing, put certain things on autopilot, but more importantly, you have to trust more. As a business owner, you know, life will throw lemons at your damn head until you cry. (laughs) (laughs) But as a solopreneur, you better catch them and make margaritas and sell it right back. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's like change is inevitable and we know that. And as a business owner, you have to do that to to reach the next levels. You have to cut back on certain things. You have to do more of certain things. You just have to really analyze and figure out what season you're in, what can you do better? And I want entrepreneurs to understand that this, if you really want change, then you have to look in the mirror. Entrepreneurhood. Anyone can start, but only champions finish. Now that you've completed this episode, you're ready to continue your journey by connecting directly with our hosts of Entrepreneurhood. 
Follow us on Instagram at The Entrepreneurhood to stay updated with the community. For each episode, the first set of listeners to tag us on Instagram and leave a five-star review will be entered into a drawing to get a free one-on-one coaching session on the topic of entrepreneurship with our hosts. Remember, there is no shame in struggling because we fail, we grow, and we win right here on Entrepreneurhood.